This is Reality Realty. I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And at this time each week, we bring you Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty, your local real estate forum, where we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. Joining me in the broadcast studio today is a is a voice you'll remember often uh it's dave smith dave is a certified home inspector with pillar to post home inspectors and dave is um was a, the original the original co-host with me and and the uh and cr- a co-creator of reality realty welcome back dave to reality realty what are you spreading around the blame there Dave? Yeah, spreading <laughs> around the blame <laughs> is that what's happening <laughs> You always have an interesting perspective, Dave. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here. It's It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a long while. Well, you've been busy, and I I've, I know your schedule is very busy, and, and I haven't haven't wanted to call on you too much, but uh, you know that the people keep asking about you, Dave. Well, it's been a roller coaster ride, certainly, this last, what, 18 months, I suppose. Um, from mm-hmm. white hot there at one point to um, it really things really cooled out over the last three or four months, but um, it's it has a different effect on home inspection when it's white hot as it was. Um, the home inspection is not often in there, and yeah, um, when it cools down, it it helps, but not too cool. So um, we're we're balancing out now. <coughs> from uh, from my business perspective, it's the the market is returning to a much more normal. Yeah, we're 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 relatively close to a balanced market, uh, uh, and we'll see that ju- in just a few minutes on snapshot. But uh, Dave, today we're going to be looking at. Uh, you're going to be telling us in a, a short while about some items that can help bring value to a home and a homeowner. Uh, we're also going to be looking at fall and winter maintenance uh, items, tips, if you'd say. And these tips can definitely help you if you're selling. So they're good. They'll be good for just anybody living in the home. It'll be good for the home. It'll be good for living in it. And it'll be especially good if you're trying to sell your home during the fall and winter months. And if we have time at the end, uh, since we're right on the heels of Halloween, it'll be interesting if we... uh, Bring up a little bit of real estate horror stories. <laughs> might have a few of those tucked yeah, away. Yeah, we, <clears throat> we might have a few of those. So some good information, folks, and then uh, some enter- entertainment at the end. And, and I'd, I'd like to think that all of the entertainment actually has um, a learning value in it as well. Sure. <coughs> I'm sure it does. Yeah, and I'm going to stick to that right to the end of the show. So first things first, let's take a look at Snapshot. Um, that's a report of Northumberland's residential real estate market for November 2nd, 2017. There have been 101 single-family residential sales over the past month, and those numbers are down six sales from last week's report. That leaves us with an inventory of 346 residential listings for sale in our county. Average selling price of successful sales over the past 12 months has risen again to approximately 413000 for the average sale price. During the past year, people have received on average just over 100% of their asking price in a market time of 36 days. Northumberland Real Estate 
is in a seller's market with an absorption rate at approximately 29%. And we're, Dave, we were just talking about getting close to a balanced market. So a balanced market is anywhere between 15 and 20%. So right now we're in absorption rate of 29, as opposed to numbers that were in the 50s mm. at, at one point and higher. So we're at 29% based on the past month's uh, sales trends, which means uh, we've we have a residential home inventory that can satisfy approximately 3.4 months of sales at the rate homes have been selling. I researched these Northumberland County statistics and calculate the absorption rate using information from List Central. And List Central is a local realtor component of the MLS system. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be area specific, specific to the property type you're dealing with in the price band it's in. So talk to your local realtor to understand the Northumberland market information most relevant to you. Today's mortgage rates. You can get a five-year fixed as low as 2.99% and a five-year variable as low as prime minus 0.105. So that would, uh, that would bring you to 2.15%. And today's mortgage rates come to us from mortgage broker Caroline Bryant with the Broker Financial Group. And folks, that is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market in Northumberland County. So Dave... You're you, you came bearing gifts. You came bearing the gift of how to save money for homeowners right now. What do you have for us? Well, actually, there's a program which um, I'm a big fan of. Uh, when <coughs> the OPA came out with... OPA. Um, OPA. Um, when they came out with this program, and, the pro and I will refer to, I will give the, um, the website at the end. It's, it's actually the, it's the Save on Energy is basically what it's called. Um, but it, it was a way of getting, at, when they first came out with it, it was a way of getting compact fluorescent bulbs into homes mm -hmm. um, to get the obvious energy savings. A 13-watt uh, compact fluorescent bulb was the equivalent of about a 75-watt uh, incandescent bulb. It did a massive job on 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 getting those bulbs. Uh, not only brought them down in price, um, but it got them commonly used. They were pretty much a, a, a peripheral. Um, well, now of course LED is the bulb, um, which not only is a superior bulb in CFLs. Uh, we won't even get into the the aspect of the uh, what the compact fluorescence can do to the environment, but uh, we live and learn. Um, and LED bulbs are um, incredibly efficient relative. They're about a 10 to 1 ratio uh, to a standard bulb, but they also, this has been part of that program, and I think it has been a major stepping stone in getting this type of bulb um, and other aspects as well, but bulb is the most common thing in a home, mm -hmm. in every home, residential, commercial applications. Um, but LED bulbs now um, are, are just about everywhere. And uh, companies like IKEA, by example, uh, made a commitment a couple of years ago, and I think they're a good year or so into that commitment of only selling uh, LED uh, lighting um, in everything they do in LED bulbs. So they don't even sell anything that's incandescent or compact fluorescent. So, um, <coughs> But this program is... Uh, 
is a way of giving you discounts, and they're really good discounts on um, LED bulbs is a big part of it, uh, programmable timers, um, programmable power bars, uh, this sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, thermostats, uh, to get you to cut down on your energy use and to be more effective. And where the LED bulb, what I love about the LED bulbs, and this is where it crosses over into the idea of building value in the home, um, any... Um, designer uses lighting very, very effectively. And it's amazing to me what pot lights can do. We've done it in a few homes, but adding pot lights to even a standard home. And as you know, uh, we moved recently and we moved into a 92 era home, um, which had no, no pot lights at all, had standard lighting in it. And one of the first things we've done is had pot lights added throughout the family room and the extended kitchen. Uh, I love what pot lights can do, but I didn't love what a 50 watt halogen bulb spread over say 20 or 25 pot lights and the cost of that. Mm -hmm. And that's where the LED bulbs really come into play because you can now buy what used to be a 50 watt halogen uh, pot light and get it in a five watt. The prices drop dramatically on the face value of these, but then this coupon program that you can get um, through Save on Energy um, can make a dramatic difference in purchasing those. So you can stockpile these if you like. Stockpile what? The coupons? The, the bulbs. The bulbs. The bulbs. Oh, because I see. The savings is very dramatic. Um, and not, again, not just bulbs, other aspects of it as well. So... How does this add value to your home? Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not in real estate, so I don't talk too much to that, but I believe in being a purchaser of a home, um, floodlights or, or sorry, pot lights and um, fancy high-end lighting, under cabinet lighting, et cetera, adds value from my perspective as a buyer. Um, so, well, you know, it, adding it, this type it of thing. It creates a great atmosphere. It creates a great atmosphere. A, a so you get lighting, but it's soft. Well, you can change the atmosphere. <clears throat> um, mm. And that's where the LED program, and, and frankly, the Save on Energy program, at least in Ontario, because I came from a retail background, I can absolutely assure you uh, the reason that we can now get colored LEDs, we can get chandelier bulbs in LED that are clear. We can get mm. different hues and different wattages. You can get tri-light bulbs. You can get almost anything in LED. You could get an incandescent, which was one of the drawbacks in the past. And fluor compact fluorescents had that drawback. They didn't like the look of them. They didn't like the color of them. Well, these LEDs now, you can put them everywhere and still beautify your home, upgrade your home, and modernize your home, which mm. I do think goes back to adding value to your home while saving money. And this program, which ends on the 5th of November, by the way, that's why it's timely for today's show. Um, so no, November 5th is a, ends. Where can people get these coupons? Just about, well, you can get them on the Save on Energy <coughs> website, which is uh, www.saveonenergy.ca. And you can also go, you can print off the coupons. You can also go to just about any major retailer. You can name your Walmarts, your Home Depots, your Canadian Tires, your Home Hardwares. And they will have a display and they will have the coupons on site so, as well. So right where you're buying the lighting, chances Absolutely. are you're going to get the coupon. Now, uh, is this something you just tear off and hand to the cashier or do you fill it in with uh, your information? I think that's the beauty of the program is they didn't make it difficult that way like so many coupons are. It is at right on site that you do it at the point of sale so you literally just go up and they take the discount right off right at so you're not sending anything you're not waiting for a check to come back you're not filling anything out you're just simply doing it right in and that's what i think made it popular and made it grow to what it is and makes it so beneficial to um you know families so anything energy saving so the led lights you said uh you were talking about timers Mm -hmm. So timers, timers would be included because it's allowing you to 
take your electrical devices and and have them just um, uh, be on a be more effective. Yeah, and and do what you want to do. Yeah, but you know the human frailty of forgetting to unplug them or forgetting right. to turn them off. Um, there's so many benefits to it, and from the bulb perspective, um, things like trilight bulbs. You know the trilight bulbs yeah. that used to have, where it'd be thirty seventy. Um, this sort of thing. Um, but you can also get them in different color hues now. You can get cool white, you can get warm white, you can get daylight bulbs. And in many cases, you're looking at an 80% reduction in wattage using an incandescent mm-hmm. to a LED bulb. Um, LED pot lights, when we talk about adding value, or, or even one of the disadvantages of pot lights is quite often, especially the halogen ones, would heat up. Mm-hmm. That's what caused them to fail so quickly because they were in an enclosed box and they heated up. They also, in my experience, I had cases where it actually would actually turn or melt the paint on the trim work around the pot lights because there's so much heat wow. that comes from yeah. them. And if you had them in a low application, like in a, a basement application um, or a family room down there, it's usually much closer to the ceiling. In many cases, you don't mm-hmm. even have eight-foot ceilings down there. The heat could be incredible. Now you've got the offset of trying to cool that space in the summertime when you put those pot lights on or choose not to put them on at all. Um, They last a lot longer because they don't heat up. You can pretty much grab a hold of an LED bulb that's been on for an hour and and you don't have near the heat. Certainly you don't Mm. burn, you would never want to do that with with a halogen. Um, you change them less often because of that. So um, a, safe, a safety thing. If it's a safety thing. Like for high ceilings, yeah. cathedral ceilings, and in my home inspections, um, I recommend LED in hard to reach areas like under crawl spaces. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you get a side split where you've got a crawl space underneath or in a garage where you've got a high garage ceiling and it, it can be treacherous to get up there. And it's really good for exterior uh, soffit lighting and pot lights because you can put them up and again, there is a safety aspect. Inevitably, if you climb a ladder 100 times, the ratios tell you every once in a while it's not going to go well for you. So, And things like garage bulbs, uh, garage door openers, they vibrate and shake a lot when they, when they run. And uh, when in my past life in the retail world, we used to have to actually sell a rough service bulb for that application because mm. the mere shaking of the bulb because of the garage okay. opener functioning, would burn them out. And again, now you're driving into a garage without a light, so you've got the safety aspect. So there's so many advantages to this program and the product that it, that's included with it. Well, Dave, um, <clears throat> if you have a, a fan, a vent fan in a bathroom, I, I know it's very common to see people will get a timer on there where you can, instead of just turning the fan on and it running and running right. till next time you come in, you can just press the button for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or half hour or an hour, depending on, on uh, the reason you're putting the fan on. Um, I'm thinking about people with, uh, with the radiant heat, electric radiant heat. Maybe they have uh, baseboard heating. Maybe they have uh, in-floor heating or in-ceiling mm-hmm. heating. Yep. Now, typically, um, we're used to seeing... The thermostat on the wall, and it is you got that square, the square box with this big round dial, and right. you know you turn it to the temperature. Can you get a timer on those as well, so that so that the the radiant heating will come on and off when oh, you want it to come? Absolutely, on and, off? and and it's probably one of the best kept secrets. A lot of people don't even realize. Uh, every, you know, most homes now. Um, and again, I think because of these types of initiatives, when a home is built now, a new home is built. Um, you'll find that the home is built with a programmable thermostat. Um, and because we want to encourage you right from the very beginning to set that program up. Unfortunately, they don't get used as often as they, 
they should. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people aren't <clears> aware. When I'll do, again, if I'll do an inspection with baseboard heating, um, usually the, the, the buyer is infinitely aware it's baseboard heating um, mm -hmm. because of the, the, we could argue, the increased cost of electric baseboard heating. But there are programmable thermostats available for baseboard heating, especially valuable in rooms like basement family rooms. You know, especially mm -hmm. in, in that situation with empty nesters or, or if you have spare bedrooms that you don't <coughs> use that often. You can put these programmable thermostats in and you can control that heat in the same sort of way you can with, you know, gas, forced air or any of these other heating systems so that you can actually help save that cost and keep that heater running in an empty room. So, and they are, uh, again, you've got a check-in store to find out what the details are um, because there is a certain list of approved. They've got to be Energy Star approved, but they right. are available for baseboard heaters and they are invaluable. Yeah, and chances are they, they would apply to this, uh, this rebate Absolutely. program. Absolutely. I, right I know there are Honeywells, by example, are. Yeah. So again, you'd want to check on site, but it'll, it'll usually, you know, the retailer be able to tell you. And now, th this is great technology, but I know Carol Ann and I, we've, we've over the past year, uh, we've been switching over to LED. We've been getting timers on things, uh, making, making that transformation to being, uh, you know, a better, a better carbon footprint, I guess. And uh, one thing we've run into, and, and like you say, Dave, the styles are incredible. We even have... LED Edison bulbs. Yes. And so, you know, you can get the... Which is amazing. They're <clears throat> fantastic. Because yeah. those are, they are. In, in their standard manufacture, are, are, are an absolute pig on because you're paying almost all the money just for look. And they yeah. are the mo most ineffective bulbs you can get. But if you get them in an LED, they're beautiful, oh, they, number yeah. one. The, yeah. the um, light-emitting diode. Write that mm -hmm. down, Dale. Light-emitting yeah. diode. Um, but they look great as a bulb. Um, so they're they're, again... You know, if decor and improving your home and modernizing your home and being cutting edge with style and with design is is something you believe adds, uh, adds value to your home, then this can be a part of that. Here, here's the one complication by going this way, mm. and and it used to be you'd get a you have a light fixture, and you'd want to say put a dimmer on it. You just go out to the store, you buy a dimmer, you put it in, and away you go. Well, now the dimmer needs to be compatible with the bulb, not the fixture, but the bulb in the fixture. And, and, and so much so that it needs to be name brand compatible as well. Because we, we had a new fixture put in. We had these LED Edison bulbs put in. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and a very expensive um, a, dimmer uh, a dimmer switch. And, and it, it worked all right for a short while. And then the next thing you know, that LED light fixture was strobing. Yeah. And, and what we found out is the dimmer switch we put on wasn't compatible with that exact brand right. and style of bulb, right. <clears throat> which, which can throw people off. You buy a resale home and the fixture of the bulbs go out. Yep. You go out and you just buy whatever brand. And then you come home and they're flickering and you're saying, what's the matter? Well, it could be your bulb and your switch is incompatible. Uh, and another thing is we had these uh, programmable switches, um, uh, a Leviton mm -hmm. programmable switch. and The Leviton it, people are going to be after you now. But well, ahead, this on. is just a fact. And it, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't be, it wasn't compatible with an LED. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't turn it off on and off by program. So 
but with um, with a CFL light, it would work. So there, yep. there's there's some quirkiness there too that you have to work your way through. Well, it's the evolution of <clears throat> of technology and 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 coming up with industry norms. And uh, for example, when LEDs or CFLs or compact fluorescents um, came out, uh, there you couldn't dim them at all. Um, again, you couldn't get tri-light bulbs mm -hmm. in in CFLs either. But as we use them and programs like this get the product into the homes and people start to create a demand for them, the pricing drops, um, the, the versatility and the, the flaws possibly um, come out. Uh, for example, now on this program, you can get dimmer switches, I'm pretty sure, on this program mm -hmm. as well. Um, pretty much every dimmer switch you buy now, you used to have to buy a dimmer switch that would work with LED. Pretty much every dimmer switch you find in a, in a retail store now, if it's fresher stock, um, would be compatible for LEDs, compact fluorescence, or, or um, standard incandescent bulbs. So, you know, it's like anything. We get better. We learn better. Um, and uh, those sort of problems, long-term from a home perspective from a resale perspective by the time it becomes a problem there probably would be a solution for that so if if you've been thinking about uh, getting led lighting or some timers or right now after listening you think hey the use of a timer would be good if you're if you're just about to buy a home or considering buying a home with some radiant uh, electric radiant heating and they, those thermostats don't have timers how many days dave do they have they only have today is a Second or third? This is second. Second. So it's <clears> over <throat> on the fifth. So get busy. Get to your get to your store and uh, and take advantage of this program. So folks, uh, Dave, we're we're at uh, break time. Okay. And folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty on Northumberland eighty nine seven FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and Dave and I are going to get into fall and winter home maintenance and how these items can even help to sell your home. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant and Dave Smith. So, Dave, before the break, we were into uh, the program that's on right now to save money if you're interested in uh, energy-efficient LED lights and timers and such, uh, possibly dimmers we were talking about. Uh, we wanted to turn the corner right now, Dave, and, I mean, the last, the last week, weather's changed a lot, <laughs> hasn't it? Well, and uh, you know, uh, I'm going to do a little segue here. When it comes to uh, LEDs and winter, <coughs> uh, Christmas lights are a great example. I mean, mm -hmm. most Christmas lights now you can get are LEDs, but even if they are LEDs, instead of running your Christmas lights for 12 hours, turning them on at night and leave, turning them back off when mm -hmm. you walk out the door in the morning, uh, you can get a timer for that so that maybe they just come on till 11 o'clock at night and then shut off. I mean, even though they are high efficiency, if you can still take that and make it half, let's make it half. Okay. Right. Um, but certainly, let's talk about winter. Uh, you're right, Dale. There's no kidding around. Um, we're supposed to have a few days over the next, actually, I think today may be one of them where it's supposed to be 14 degrees. Unfortunately, at this time of the year, when you get 14 degrees, this, this is the sort of day you may get with the, uh, with the rain. Um, but this might be your last chance. Uh, this may be your last chance to get some of that outside work done if you've been right. putting it off. And I certainly have been. So what are we going to do? What, what, what are we going to do? Well... <coughs> Maybe maybe I'll start with one of the things I just recently did, Dave. And and this is looking into the future. Yes. I mean, we just had 2017, the year of the flooded basement. Yes. 
I mean, the amount of rain we we started off in the springtime. And springtime means, I know we're talking fall, winter, but after that winter, we're going to get snow. Mm-hmm. And that snow's going to melt. And typically when that snow melts, we get rains. And so we have a sump pump in our in our home. It in we've never had a water problem, but after this year, uh Carolyn and I we went and we got a a new pump installed which runs off of the electricity from the house. But then there's a secondary pump uh with a battery backup. Mm-hmm. And so if for any reason the power goes out yep. or the or the pump jams and the water level goes high enough, then the secondary pump will kick in. And I mean, I consider that a fall winter thing because by the time it comes spring, and if you're thinking about this, plumbers are going to be so yep, busy. Absolutely. It's, it's almost impossible to get them. Or if you're just going to the local Home Depot or somewhere to get a pump, they might be off the shelf. I mean, yep. it's going to be a busy every time. Spring. And so think yeah, ahead. Yeah, and <clears throat> you're going to need it now. Like not, yeah. you can't book an appointment for next Tuesday. If you've got water in your basement. Oh, you need it immediately. Well, it won't be you calling anyway. You'll yeah. be down there with the shop back and the squeegee. You'll be yeah. Carol Ann saying, my husband's downstairs. But, but it won't be me because <laughs> because I got the new. Oh, but yeah, that's right. The, and you know what's cool about this one, Dave? And this one even has a, a phone app. So right now I can, ch- I can look on my app and it tells me, it tells me the state of the primary pump, the secondary pump. Uh, that secondary pump runs off of this, like a, it looks like a marine battery or car right. battery. And it tells me the state of the battery. I can see how many times the thing is cycled. And if it, if there's any alarm, if anything goes wrong, I'm I'm notified no matter where I am. And I can even add somebody else onto the notification yep. list. So yep. what that's a peace brilliant. of mind. So So that's the first thing that goes on in my head. Well, not only peace of mind, and I know you're going to say <coughs> you've done this, but if you do install this sort of a backup system, certainly get in touch with your insurer, your home insurer to make sure, because there are discounts available mm-hmm. in most carriers if you actually have that in there. In almost every single report that I do, in home inspection report I do, I strongly recommend they have a ba- battery backup on their sump pump. And I recommend water alarms, which are about a $10 item. You can get at any major retailer. A lot of them use a simple nine volt battery. Some of them will just stick on the wall beside a sump pump, um, certainly beside a laundry machine, a washer, um, because it is the first, it's the first defense. It'll scream like a smoke detector telling you there's water where there shouldn't be. And these are very inexpensive insurance. And again, do it now. It isn't that you're necessarily going to have water now, but when the water that's going to accumulate as ice and snow over the next six months does melt, it melts in a hurry. And mm-hmm. again, you may not be able to schedule something in an emergency to get that fixed. So what are, you, what are some of your items, Dave, you have for us? Well, I'll tell you. Again, you got, you, you're down to your last two or three days here. So let's get out there over the next three or four days. Let's coil up and disconnect that garden hose. Uh, if it's still dangling out there, let's get it unhooked. Um, uh, well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a bit here. Let's get you to clean out your eaves trough first. That's step one, okay? The leaves are just about down in most homes, if, even if they aren't. 
if you still got trees that are dropping and you've got that many trees around you, your eaves trough are probably filled anyway. So let's get those eaves trough cleaned out. Let's use the garden hose to run it. You can do it from the ladder's edge. You don't have to get up on the roof, but run the garden hose through to get all that sludge and muck and mire and make sure basically it's going to show you that you're, you're simulating a rainfall by running that garden hose. Let's get the garden hose out. Let's get the eaves trough cleaned off. And then when you're done with that and everything you're going to do with the garden hose, let's get it disconnected. If you've got inside valves, for your what are called a hose bib or a garden hose bib that go out through the exterior of your house and make sure you got them all because most houses especially new houses have two maybe three sometimes four um, and many of them have an interior valve um, that shuts them off you want to make sure you get that interior valve off first then turn them on outside and leave them open the let, them, let them drain. Let them drain, and then any water that's in them is going to evaporate as well because it'll just evaporate naturally in the air. So there's no chance of any water in that valve freezing and causing water damages inside the home. Again, when you realize you have a problem in the spring or when it freezes, it'll be too late to act. You probably have a big problem. So that's job one. Um, if you have, uh, if you are done your eavesdrop, make, just walk around and make sure all the eavesdrop are the way they should be. Are there, have any been crushed by people walking on them? Are they damaged? Are they, un, you know, somebody moved it to cut the grass and didn't put it back. And you're looking at getting all of your eavesdrop downspout to discharge a minimum of three feet away from the house whenever possible. Okay. Um, if you have window wells around your house, these are the, like the galvanized or the concrete wells mm -hmm. for lower windows, lower windows that are lower, usually basement windows. Clean them out of all kinds of leaves, etc. Uh, make sure there's no grass or any any vegetation growing in them. And if there's any covers and drains, there's usually a drain in the bottom of these. Make sure that they're kept clear of leaves, etc. And I'm a big fan of window well covers. These are like the plastic domes that you put over, usually on sale heavily this time of the year. Right. What this, this does is it, you know, you've got this well and you're creating this beautiful vacancy for snow to come in. And when snow drifts, it loves to drift and it'll drift right across those and fill them in. Number one, we have so much, so little sun at this time of the year. And as the winter progresses, let's make sure we're getting the full benefit of the sun through those basement windows. But if you put a dome on them, it'll still allow the sun to come through and the light to come through. But it keeps it from filling with leaves or filling with um, water or certainly snow. If that snow gets in there and it compacts over a four-month winter, it'll eventually compact into ice. And when it thaws, it'll thaw quickly. And then there's usually no place for it to go. And where it may go is in through your window frames around your window or at very minimum damage uh, your window frames. So I'm a big fan of those plastic domes for the cost. Now, do you have to permanently attach those to your walls or can you just set them in place, Dave? You can set them in place. You do have to be careful if they're legally egress <coughs> windows. That is, if this is a window for a bedroom, um, mm -hmm. they have to be able to be popped off from below. Right. So uh, follow the manufacturer's instructions and make sure there are. Most people will just put a couple of screws in just so the wind doesn't lift them. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you put a couple of screws, these are fairly light plastic. So in, the, in a name, in desperation, if you had to get out through that window, it wouldn't take yeah. much to get them off. But you don't want them blowing over into your neighbors either and, and getting damaged. Okay. Have you got your uh, Have you got your furnace checked yet? Did you get your furnace service for this fall, Dale? I don't see a look of. Yes, I, I have. I actually uh, have. Oh well, all right then. You're supposed to follow along here, Dale. And you're supposed to be my muse here. Uh, okay. Or amused. Oh, oh no, no, Dave. <laughs> okay. Should I? <laughs> you got to do that, Dale. <laughs> actually, I haven't either, Dale. But I have. <laughs> Even before 
the furnace people get there, um, you should buy a new furnace filter and get it in there. A lot of people don't realize that if you have central air conditioning, the furnace filter that you're using theoretically in the wintertime for your furnace to heat your home, it's the same furnace filter that gets used for central air conditioning as well. The dirt and the dust is going through those same areas. And in many cases, that furnace can get, furnace filter can get dirtier in the summertime because doors are left open. People are coming in and out with shoes and, and pets. And there's a lot more open air getting inside of your house, doors that are propped open, patio doors that are left open for screens. It's important to change that furnace filter on a regular basis, regardless of season. So let's get a new furnace filter in there. Um, it'll really help your home, your breathing, and the dust level in your home. Clean your dryer vent outside. This is the plastic vent on the exterior of your home. Um, it's usually got some little flaps on it. If it's damaged, replace it. This is the time, again, you're running out of time um, to get this in a comfortable environment. But even if you're going to put caulking on it, etc., you're running out of time to do it. So clean that fire vent. And what works really well is you go into the laundry room and you pull out that odd cotton sock that doesn't have a pair, put it over your hand, and you can actually push it right into the dryer vent, swish it around, and pull a lot of that dust out. Okay, so it works really Handy well. Handy tip. Handy tip. Um, put some removable sealant. I put this in maybe you'll every find, inspection. May, maybe you'll find the other sock when you reach You in. will as soon as you dirty this one up. Yes, yeah. you will find it. That's a guarantee. Um, I like to see removable sealant around your attic hatch. This is the hatch that goes up into the attic. Um, there's a removable sealant you can get uh, that looks like silicone. It's very rubbery. You put it on with a caulking gun, and then you can remove it in six months, in a year, or three or four years' time. You can just peel it right off. If the paint is sound, it won't do any damage. A lot of escaping warm, moist air going up through those attic hatches at this time of the year. Um, and it's a good idea to seal that off uh, because... It's just, it's not, that's where I find a lot of issues in attics is from warm, moist air getting up into what is a cold space. It forms this condensation on the underside of the structure, under, on the underside of your sheathing, and mold begins to form on it. So if you can control the amount of warm, moist air that gets up into that attic with something as simple as a $5 tube of removable silicone, then I strongly mm -hmm. recommend it. Um, and if your hatch isn't insulated, this is a great time to do it. It's fairly easy project to do. You can get what they call a rigid foam insulation and a compatible adhesive. Cut it with a utility knife and just stack up that insulation on there. And it just, again, prevents that, you know, hard-earned money going up into the attic space and maybe protecting against other issues as well. What? Yeah. So, I mean, th th this is a lot of, these are a lot of items and a lot of these items we can do ourselves, but they're all can do yourself. But well, you know what? I'm thinking, you know, the attic, uh, the, the, attic the ceiling hatch. up, yep. the attic hatch. I'm thinking of the yep. eave troughs that you mentioned earlier, Dave. Uh, some people like, f for example, my parents, Yes. you know, my dad's talking about going up and, uh, and, and cleaning out the eaves. Mm -hmm. I wish he wouldn't. Right. I mean, you know, you don't like to hear right. that, uh, hey, maybe that job is a bit too much because in your mind, you're thinking, I can do that. Nobody's going to tell me I can't go up a ladder, but maybe your balance isn't so good anymore. Right. Maybe you're not that great on the ladder. Uh, get, there's people you can hire to do that. Absolutely. And, and, and the cost of having them do that is a lot cheaper than you being laid up with a broken bone or, or worse. And, and again, it's, it's, it's the cost of insurance for all intents and purposes. And I mean insurance from the perspective of protecting yourself against freezing pipes, mm -hmm. protecting yourself against um, ice damming and water damages in a roof um, in sheathing. 
um, protecting yourself against mold caused by warm, moist air. So it may seem like you're spending money on something you could have done yourself, but if you don't do it or can't (coughs) do it or aren't able to do it, then it is something, it is an investment in your home, protecting your home and, and protecting yourself against things that you can't control and damages that can happen mm-hmm. if you do what we like to call deferred maintenance. Um, it is something that should be a priority. And, and you, talked, you talked about, um, you know, the attic hatch and, and the warm, moist air coming up through potentially and creating, cr- creating a, a light layer of mold maybe yep. on the underside of the, um, the roof, the, right. sh- the shingles. Inside the attic. Yeah. yeah. And so the other place in the attic where that can happen is improper venting in a bathroom. Um, how often, what would you say the percentage, you, you, you stick your head up in a lot of attic mm-hmm. hatches. What would you say the percentage of attics are that you'll stick your head up and you'll either see uh, a, a little bit of mold or a lot of mold from from either that attic hatch or even bathroom fans? I would say I probably, and age is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, A couple of things, um, bath fans uh, were not necessary. We're not uh, building code um, in homes up to, let's just say the early 70s. It wasn't Mm -hmm. even required to put them in. Even at that, it wasn't necessarily required that you actually vent it to the exterior. It was, it's very common for me to stick my head up in a home. And as a matter of fact, looking at the vintage of the home while I'm doing the inspection, I am watching <coughs> for this sort of thing um, where we'll have a vent pipe that's actually just wired to the ceiling in the interior of the attic or mm-hmm. wired to an exterior vent, not properly evacuating that. And that's where you see this glow you know, six or eight feet out from all sides where it has been over the years, venting warm, moist air. And bear in mind that in attic, you've got the insulation in the ceiling of the attic, in the ceiling of the rooms below in the attic. An attic is designed, most attics are designed to be cold, just like the outside. Mm -hmm. So you're taking warm, moist air with steam in it, um, and it just goes into that attic. Immediately, the temperature drops by, you know, 25 degrees, 30 degrees when it gets up into the attic. And it just forms this condensation and or ice on the underside of it. And yeah. that's where the mold, the mold spores are floating in the air. That's, it be that's your dew point. That's right. And so I would say it's probably about 10 to 15 percent of homes I see it that way. I would say I also see... 30 to 40% of homes uh, that don't have properly exterior vented fans. Um, Ironically, uh, I rarely see mold in homes uh, unless the home is, the roofing is in very poor condition, but I rarely see mold in homes where there is no bath fan at all. Um, That doesn't mean bath fans are bad. You're still putting that warm, moist air into the the living space, which isn't healthy either. Um, But it's almost always related to a poorly vented bath fan. So, you, so maybe 30% of the time you stick your head up, you're going to see some sort of... Discoloration. Discoloration. Yep. Yep. Well, Dave, we're, we're already at another break. And so after the break, do you have any more tips on for after the break? Or have we covered most of the tips? I've got some things. you got some more things. Okay, folks. Things. So after this break, we're going to cover some more tips about how to prepare your home for the fall and winter. And, uh, and Dave and I, we're going to talk a little bit about... Maybe some uh, horror stories. Home inspection horror stories. Uh, Home inspection horror stories, real estate horror stories. So, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty Northumberland, 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break. There's still more to come. Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland, 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. 
And our co-host today is Dave Smith. And uh, Dave, before the break, you were you were talking about some fall winter maintenance tips for people to uh, be aware of. Did did you have any more that you wanted to cover off there? Well, just you know, again, this is your last chance really to take a good look around outside. Uh, this is a great time to go around. Now that the leaves are off the trees, it's a little bit easier to get into overgrown bushes, vegetation, hedges, this sort of thing that may be uh, very close to the home, affecting the home, rubbing against the home, whether it be siding <coughs> or eaves trough or the roof itself. Um, let's get rid of that overground vegetation from around your air conditioner, um, your windows, your roofing, your siding, anywhere where it can harm the system or keep the systems from functioning the way they should be. Certainly things like venting and dryer venting, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, get pruning out there. Uh, if you've got a snowblower, get it tuned up. This is the time to do it. Again, much like you talk about plumbers being hard to get in the springtime, very first snowfall, that's when everybody's going to go out and try to start their snowblower that they haven't started since March. Yeah. And that's when the problems arise. And if you've got a lawnmower and you're going to get the snowblower tuned up, let's get the lawnmower tuned up now so that it's ready in the springtime. And if you get it serviced or if you get it stored, this is the time to do it. Um, and last but not least, dig out your snow shovels now and your snow brushes. Okay. Um, and a good tip with snow shovels uh, and even automotive scrapers like for your windows is spray them with pam um which is you know the stuff you spray in yeah. the, in the skillets etc um it's very good at making sure the snow doesn't stick and ice doesn't stick um uh, spray it right on the metal edge of your snow shovel or on the metal shovel itself but even on plastic shovels it works really really well another product that works if you're not a big fan or you don't have pam is a great product called winds slick and shine which is a fantastic product i recommend it in almost every inspection that i do for windows it's excellent right. as a lubricant for windows it actually came from the automotive world for um rubber gasking around windows and cars uh, to keep them supple and sealing properly. But it's a great product for snow shovels as well. Great. You'll thank me on that first snow show, that oh. first snowfall. The, yeah. Dave, I got I'm a list. For your thank you. I'm, wait, I'm going to wait right here for your thank you. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yes. So, Dave, you know what? We're right on the heels of uh, mm. Halloween. Uh, it was on Tuesday. And uh, <clears throat> so I thought, you know, Let's get a little entertaining value here and uh, maybe think of some things that are haunting in in uh, in the real estate and home inspection arena. And and one of the things, I'll, I'll start off here, Dave. Um, one of the interesting questions is if you're buying a home, you might be wondering if, if the home is haunted or s- said to be haunted, <laughs> Does the seller or the seller's realtor have an obligation to tell you? And and I know I know from being in the industry, you're going to hear different answers yeah. from yeah. from different people. Some some believe yes, some believe no. Well, certainly it <coughs> it sounds like a, a fun question, and in in many ways you can deal with it in a fun way. But it's certainly very serious to to some. To some to people, some people. Um, as the question is, because it, it comes to, it's almost got an ethical aspect of it. It's got um, uh, maybe illegal to a certain extent. I don't know if ghosts necessarily would be. I know that um, because of the world that I exist in, I follow a lot of uh, Facebook groups mm-hmm. uh, in the real estate world and um, questions in regards to crimes um, that were committed, um, crimes against people, Mm -hmm. uh, assaults and worse in homes, whether or not that needs to be uh, 
uh, revealed, and, and or, that or would discussed. fall. That would fall in a similar. It's a similar vein. vein yeah. um, I personally wouldn't wouldn't have an issue with theoretically a haunted house, but I think just planting the seed, frankly, that this house is haunted would almost make it haunted, depending on who you are and where your belief system is. Right. Um, I I can see it. I, I think. I, I don't know what the answer is for me. I can only answer me personally. Me personally, I think I would probably want you to tell me yes. Yeah. And, and it might even affect my decision, to be frank with you. As silly as that okay. sounds, but it might even well, affect my decision. All of these things boil down to legal, right? Whenever, whenever there's something in question like yeah. this, it's like, what, what is legal? What, what are we legally yeah, is compelled this, Is this an actual physical do? entity, though? Is, a, is a ghost a proven <clears throat> legal well, entity? Well, that, that's just it. It's how do you prove a ghost? Yeah. And, and, and it is a stigma. So, I mean, for the answer, I'm going to go to RICO, the Real Estate Council of Ontario, because they're the, they're the consumer body. They're the body for consumers to go to to protect consumers in real estate. They're basically, they're like a police watchdog for real estate uh, agents, brokers, uh, sales representatives. So here, I'm just going to read it. This is a, a RICO Registrar Bulletin, and it's dated February 3rd, 2015. It reads, It is important for registrants, registrants being the realtors, to know that while sellers are required by law to disclose material latent defects affecting a property, so a material latent defect, that is, <coughs> that is something that's the matter with a home, but you can't necessarily see it. It may be hidden. Maybe the home, it leaks every spring. But you're buying it in August. Mm -hmm. And it's bone dry. It's dry. It's bone dry. Uh, maybe even people have, if there's been staining, have scrubbed the staining out yep. or, or have painted over staining. That, but if that home is known to leak every spring, uh, that's a defect. And it's a latent defect. It's something that people can't necessarily see. So that's. So I'll continue reading. So uh, that while sellers are required by law to disclose material latent defects affecting a property that are known to them, an obligation which also exists for the seller's representative if the material latent defect is also known by the representative, there is no legislation or case law in Ontario to suggest that a seller or his or her representative is required to disclose the existence of stigmas to buyers. Registrants, being the sales representatives and brokers, registrants representing sellers should advise their clients to seek legal advice if they believe that stigmatized issues may become a factor in selling the property. So the answer is, according to this uh, Registrar Bulletin from RICO, dated February 3rd, 2015, they're not required to let uh, the buyers know. I got a good one for you. What I got, you got a good one for you. Now, again, I, I want to clarify, <coughs> this is not in the local area, and I have absolutely no idea who this home inspector was. But okay. on a home inspector Facebook page, just in the last few days, a post from a home inspector said, assuming that he's at the, he's doing, done a home inspection. He said, in the time I've been here, I've seen three drug deals go down at the next door neighbor's house while I've been here. Am I obligated as a home inspector 
to note that into the report. So he, what he's doing is he's throwing it out to a forum of fellow home inspectors across both countries, Canada and the U.S., maybe even international, I'm not sure. Um, is he obligated to, to do that? So again, mm. much like you talked about, you'll get a wide array of different opinions. Um, and this was not a legal opinion. Usually he was just throwing it out to the guys, yeah. kind of the guys and girls. And uh, the general consensus was um, you want to be very, very careful uh, that you are reporting this because you are now stigmatizing that home for the seller by making that statement. You can say you saw a drug deal going down. Don't know what this fellow's experience was, how, what his expertise would be in, yeah. in, in drug, drug dealing. Uh, but the idea being that uh, he really strongly felt that it's strong enough to sit there and write a post about it. And, uh, uh, you know, you want to be very careful that you're doing this. And his first job should be to report it to the police if he actually saw a drug deal going down. And that most of the feeling was that he should report that to the buyer. Um, even if it's own, if for his own conscience. But with everything that a home inspector reports, uh, and this is something that, it's a horror story unto itself, and there's not enough time to talk about it, but you have to understand that although I am working for you as a client, when I go into a home, I have to report on what I know, not on what I suspect. I have to yeah. report on what I can see, not what I think might be there or the signs of something being there. I can report that I see signs of something, but I cannot report that something is unequivocally true unless I can actually see it or unless I, unless I back it up by stating to have a qualified technician analyze it. Asbestos, mm -hmm. by example. It may look like asbestos. It may, I'm, I, it may feel like asbestos. It may be all kinds of things, but I can't tell you it's asbestos if it requires a lab to test it for asbestos. So, so a, a, a small package may have changed hands. Exactly. But how do you know you it don't was know trucks? Exactly. And that was kind of what, because you are now, and, <clears> and if I, because as, although I am working for the purchaser of the home and it's a confidential document between myself, I don't know that the information that I put in my report remains confidential. It could be shared with anyone. I have to be mm -hmm. confidential with, between me and my client, but what the client <coughs> does with that information, how they use it, and that, how they represent that information to, yeah. uh, if they walk away from the deal, they can use any reason why. So if you as a home inspector reported that you saw three drug deals going down and that home transaction goes down for whatever reason, if it wasn't, even if it wasn't for that reason, if that was the reason that was used, why they backed away from the deal, you have put yourself into a real legal situation. You better know it was and what how, it was yeah. and, and be able to prove it. So maybe right. you better start videoing the drug deals well, and then hope that they don't notice you videoing the drug get deals. get out of the home inspection business. It would be <laughs> what I would be doing if, I was, if that yeah. was happening to me. But it's a, it's, a, it's a funny world, and we, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tougher job than a lot of people know it is. Uh, there's a lot that goes on psychologically and stress-wise in mm. this business. When it comes to reporting things, you've got to know it. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit of a, that would be a horror story for me yeah. to witness something like that. Oh. Um, you know, I've seen horror story where I will see uh, a basement that's about to collapse. I've been in those. I've, mm -hmm. I see multiple decks that are in very, very, an unsafe, unsafe condition where I've actually walked up the stairs and realized I should not probably have walked up. Just a week or so ago, <laughs> I'm up on a roof and uh, the neighbor's out, you know, washing his car, raking his leaves. And he says, I wouldn't walk up there if I were you. And I'm standing on the roof. And oh. he says, I really wouldn't be up there if I were you. And I laughed and he didn't laugh. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I sort of gingerly <laughs> got back down because he said yeah. it with a certain amount of yeah. of authority and knowledge. Uh, he, he, didn't, that, he didn't want to watch what was about <laughs> to happen. So yeah. uh, we yeah. all have our, <clears throat> our, our, our concerns. Well, and, and Dave, I got, I got one more thing I want to back up because there's going to be people out there that heard that first thing I read from Rico and say, no, 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 that's contrary to what I know to be true. Here is from Rico again. It's a it's um, a question answer sort of thing that goes on with Rico, and it's called Ask Joe. And it's uh, Joe is Joseph Richer, who's the registrar of the Real Estate Council of Ontario. And this is an answer to a question that's dated January 14, 2017. Now, I don't have the question here. I just have the answer. And this once again is about stigmas, and and you know we're we're sort of talking about the haunting, but it could be any stigma really. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and Joe writes, this is the registrar from Rico. Sellers are within their rights to sell a property for as much as they can. That said, a seller may not want a stigma known to prospective buyers, as it could affect the purchase price or reduce the number of prospective buyers. In this case, they may instruct their representative, so their realtor, to not disclose a stigma. So the realtor may be instructed by the seller, do not disclose this stigma. The seller's representative can't lie if asked a direct question, but they can decline to answer the question and suggest that a buyer's representative conduct their own research. So, if a realtor was to sell, be selling a home, <coughs> pardon me, with a stigma, maybe like we were talking about, a haunting stigma, and the, and the buyer, prospective buyer, the buyer's realtor, came up to them and said, is this home haunted? If instructed by the seller not to share any of that, the realtor could simply say, uh, I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm, not, I'm declining to answer this question. They may say, it's my policy to, to uh, decline to answer any questions on stigma on the homes that I'm selling that I suggest you or your realtor, the buyer or the buyer's realtor, do your own investigation. Mm. So there you go. That's a follow-up to the first one, because I know I know there's a, a, a bit of confusion on that one. <coughs> Are we just about done? We, Dave, we're just, I just about done. Can I done. ask you one quick question? Just sure. Th- it's certain stigmas that do have to be declared, and, and again, I'm... Well, the, I run, like uh, if there was a gas station behind you, isn't that something that has to be declared? Well, that's not stigma. That's a... That's a well, that's... So there's latent... There's... Uh, Patent and latent material defects, okay. right? So a patent defect is one that um, you can see. Right. A latent defect is one you can't see, so you got to ask about it, and, and it's got to be told to you. So a gas station right behind the house, that's a uh, patent defect. You can see that. Okay. You can, you can see it from Google Earth. You can drive around. Um, that can be seen. So is that something that has to be noted, or, or is that the due diligence? So... I've I've read that if it's a patent defect, like if there's a hole in the wall, yep. you don't have to tell 
the buyer, there's a hole in the well, wall. Somebody's covered the up buyer, the buyer should have been able to see that. Okay. Any any buyer doing their own due diligence should have been able to see that. Uh, the 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 gas station around the back of the house. I don't know how a judge would view that, but that is, okay. in my estimation, that's a, a patent defect. It can be seen with with just a little bit of investigation from the buyer. Anyways, Dave, thank you for joining me today. Thanks and, for having me. And Dave, if anybody is interested in uh, in information on home inspections or any of the other services you do, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, they can call our office at 613-567-7678. All right. And folks, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or for any other real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca or call into the station at 905-372-2391 and leave me a message. And don't forget to join me, Dale Bryant. I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. Join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, Truly Local Radio. Until next week, folks.